technical glitches as usual here every Sunday morning because it wouldn't be that way but anyway yes welcome to the big kickoff here in Liffey Sound 96.4 on the 26th of November how are we all how are you Mr Shannon are you good yeah wonderful yeah. Uh, we have a special guest with us this morning do you want to introduce him yes he's uh, born in 2008 10th of April <laughs> uh, I had to see him come into the world uh, and uh, yeah it's Adam Shanahan my son how are you Adam I'm good good Bill how to make one say it Say good morning, world. Good morning, world. <laughs> <laughs> so we were out yesterday all day uh, up in base, and we had a good time, didn't we? And we, yeah. What did you play? What was the what was the, the the computer game that you were playing? The arcade game. You can't remember what it's called, can you? Now? It was Space Invaders. Space Invaders, but the screen. I sent the screenshots. Yeah, you did. The screen is huge. And yeah, it was actually amazing. Uh, looking deadly to have in the house but uh, yeah it was a good day and a good day to be indoor because yesterday was freezing and oh, now you, Baltic. I know you have to go play golf I uh, can't wait well uh, <laughs> it's not frosty listen as long as it's not windy as we said earlier on because uh, it's 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 cold but the wind will just make it even worse because as I said I was in town yesterday and going down Henry Street Mary Street it was like a wind tunnel and Jesus it was cutting lovely day out there yesterday town was full but it wasn't ridiculous but uh yeah, that wind when I was going up the street, like, it was cutting. Did you get all your Christmas shopping done? Oh, no, I was, well, I actually got bits for myself, to be honest. I'm oh, a bit yeah. wild. Uh, got myself a new Christmas jumper, a new Star Wars Christmas jumper. Oh. Well impressed. Uh, I've been looking. The I've wife's not. Because <laughs> I went real retro-y style. Right. So, yeah, she's not happy, but I'm, that makes it even better for me. And uh, did I get anything else? Oh, yeah, Sandy slipper socks. Lovely, lovely and warm. And little grips on them underneath, so when I'm, I can't slip and so slide. Slip and, yeah. right, and do your hip in. Yeah, yeah. So listen, let's cut to the chase here. What have we got coming up on the show, my good sir? Well, along with the normal stuff, the sports news that we normally do, we have Antonio Mantero from the Coach Diary, Let Kids Play. So this is a, a website and a Facebook page based on coaching. And the team won't be too far off where we had Marco Sullivan in a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, but a good few weeks ago. But it, it, it it may come down to a more sort of a, a, an Irish-based questions because it's an Irish-based website. And other than that, it'll be all sport talk. All nonsense, yeah. The usual. The usual. Anyway, we're going to start with our usual Irish uh, kickoff. So what have we got today, my man? We have Hold Me, Trill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. From Batman. You too. And that's enough. 
yeah, listen, if you want to get in touch with us, our text line is 087-062-7138. You can find us on uh, our email address, thebigkickoff96.4 at gmail.com. Our Twitter is thebigkickoff1. Correct. You think I should know all this by now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, get in touch with us with anything you want to bring up. Uh, there's plenty still going on in the world. Obviously, Christmas is coming. Everything's building up. We'll uh, kick off Christmas a little bit next week. I asked for today, but I was denied. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to follow the yeah. rules of another rival station. They're slightly big, bigger than us, but we're going to wait till Larry uh, when Larry plays his first song. We, so will we? Adam, what, who has downstairs on Kavna and Killian, Killian's dad? What did they have up? Take your time. They have all their lights. They have loads of lights on their windows. They have loads. Yeah. When did it go up? Yesterday. Ah, yeah. Still behind me. Oh, you have yours up? All Thursday. Your tree and everything? Thursday. <sighs> no, I was going to do it this weekend because um, <clears throat> obviously the toy show's next Friday in a whole lot. And I said, I am not wasting my weekend killing each other yeah. over where bobble goes where exactly in the tree so I said right we'll do little bits every night so Wednesday I got out the basic stuff and placed them here there and everywhere and then Thursday I said screw it let's go all the way with the tree and uh, yeah done and you know what I feel ten times better for it that I didn't have to ruin me weekend we're doing it Thursday but uh, the worst thing is uh, I hope she's still asleep <laughs> but she bought this Christmas clock which is great but every hour it plays a little ten second ditty like a little Christmassy thing no but it's different ones but I don't know any of them. Do you know? Yeah, it's it's well dodgy. Like, now we've we've we. The problem is you have to set it to a certain time before you like you. I have to take out the batteries again today because it thinks it's morning when it's night time because you have to set it to a certain time first. Right. So that because apparently it only plays like from say seven in the morning till ten you, at night. Did you set it wrong? No. Oh. Somebody else did who hopefully is still asleep. Oh, right? All right. Okay. But I think it's doing it from seven at night till ten in the morning because every now and then if you're still awake you hear do 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 do. Oh, it's like all right, it's two o'clock. <laughs> Next minute, do do. It's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been playing all morning this morning. Well, no, it's stopped now because it thinks it's night time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's on Australian time zone. But it, listen, it was a great idea, but we need to reset that time. Yeah, Otherwise, it's it not going to survive. Yeah, no, that would be that. Um, before we kick in sports, scene as we're, we're Jesus, we're flying here without getting anywhere. Uh, Black Friday, buy any purchases? No, uh, load of nonsense. I don't. I, I felt like I should have got into it. Because you know it sucks in They talk about it all day Even on the radio All day long Black Friday Black Friday Do you get it Do you get it And it's like Am I missing something here Yeah I'm looking at some things No doubt some things Are dropped in price But no I think this is uh, they have a, a Sony Whatever TV And we're after reducing it For 600 quid and they probably put the price up 400 quid and, and you know some of them do that now in fairness I was listening to I don't know who it was news talker one of these and they had a couple of uh, these kind of money savvy people on and they were saying listen that's the what it was really at the start but it's got a little bit better now because us the consumers are kind of copping onto it and yeah. we're only buying what's really a proper reduction so it is starting to come properly in our favour because they kind of know that we're clever now and we're kind of onto their little scam so yeah uh, but uh, no didn't get in on it didn't jump on it um, but there's Cyber Monday on Monday so you know nah, so, nah, so it never stops it won't be mm. if there's a bargain out there you get a bargain of course there's. you know I, I hate the sales January where you see clo- clothes <laughs> every sort of size clothes on the same rack I couldn't be arsed going through every si- it's not my saying no. I'd rather pay an extra 10 or 20 quid or yeah, whatever it is yeah, just yeah. to have the comfort of being able yeah, to yeah we were in a few it. department stores yesterday and they had some good reductions but they had proper reductions because you know when you, you physically see in the clothes like you can't dicky the price Yeah. so if it's a pair of trousers and it says it's a price is 30 quid but it's 20% off you're getting it for 24 and you actually wear so my dad was delighted he went bananas 
because uh, he loves a good bargain. So he got a couple of things, did he? Ah, uh, yeah. Now he was going in for a bits and pieces, but I ended up paying for a few of them, so I got away with having to worry about Chris's presence. So it worked out in my favour. But uh, anyway, let's stop what we're doing here. Otherwise, uh, this this is a completely <laughs> different show. But. Uh, Sky Sports obviously don't have coverage of a certain cricket series called the Ashes, so yes. a lot of people probably kind of haven't been shoved in their face that it's on. And I was one of them, and it's something that I always follow anyway. But um, yeah, Thursday morning of uh, end of day one, and I was like, "What the Ashes?" I was like, and then Friday morning turned on Sky Sports, couldn't find it. Then I was like, "Jesus, Sky Sports news haven't been hammering this down my face." Um, obviously, BT have it now, but they paid twenty million more than Sky Sports did. But it's the overseas rights. It's see because it's in Australia. It's cricket Australia's TV rights, ah. and that's how. So they have all the big bash league and all the Australian cricket, uh, like their tours and stuff, and their oh, own. Really? But they pay twenty just so they can get one half of the ashes. So it goes to show you, BT have the money. But, but I think we were talking about before that the two of them are going to start scrambling now when the yeah. likes of Facebook and Amazon come in and it's only it's going to be interesting they'll touch the football first but it's only a matter of time before they start taking everything else over I think yeah. over in America they're doing the, the NBA, uh, NBA some of them are starting to go stuff like that so they've already got you know their their fingers in the, in the yeah mic. so it'll be interesting I mean but just to the close of day four just happened about a half an hour ago and yeah <clears throat> I'd say it'll be about a half an hour tomorrow night and uh Australia have the, have the job done. They only need another 55 runs. They've uh, all 10 wickets still to spare, so it should be an easy one. Yeah, um, yeah England kind of fell apart today, and uh, yeah. No, I wouldn't be able to watch it. No, like, I do. I do. Listen, way back when, when we didn't have a hell of a lot, and especially with our dodgy summers and the, the bad weather, you sat in a little bit more than what you'd wanted to. And when there's nothing on TV and BBC are showing the test series, you can't help but throw your eyes. That, that, that was me. I couldn't help but throw my eyes in it because I was sports mad. So I got into it and I do follow England to an extent. And I do, like obviously Ireland are coming into prominence now, but in, in, the, in the big test nations, I do support England more than anyone else. Because it's, it's just over the years I got into them. But especially Devin, not Devin Malcolm, Malcolm Small with Mr. No Neck. Do you remember him? No. He was a little tiny bowler, but he'd no neck. And I was like, how on earth can he throw the ball down the, down the wicket with no neck? It's just a, but anyway, that's a different story. But uh, no, I, I do keep an eye on it. But yeah, I couldn't sit there for five full days straight. Unless I was with a beer in my hand in the sun in Australia, I'd probably do yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah, we all would. Yeah, but um, yeah, England are struggling. Like they, they're one, they're one guy shy in the bowling attack and they're a couple of bat, batsmen shy in the batting attack. And it could be, it could be tough young for them for the next six weeks or eight weeks yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm definitely a one dayer yeah or T20 like yeah, it's, it's good stuff like it's three hours long but it's non-stop it's bashing it around the place and it's good crack and uh, yeah I think uh, the date has been set now for Ireland's first test next April or May in Malahide against Pakistan oh has it oh, so our first test so that's another one but uh, yeah so look I fully expect Australia not to whitewash but I, I don't think it'll be pretty for any England fans listening there you go so let's get to the real sport <laughs> okay Phil Taylor Oh, we all know that Phil God. is on his way out. This is his last year, and the World Championships actually are on probably the 16th, 15th, or 16th. Yeah. They're on for about a week before. Week before. I think they usually finish the around round, 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, first round just before, and uh, then they take Christmas. three or four days off, and then they're back on the 26th. So Phil has been doing a swan song around all the venues around Europe. Very bitter and, swan song, and a very bitter one. Anyway, he, uh, we'll go into that after this because set it up there a little bit. He was beat. Was he? Be, no, he beat Dan uh, Gurney. He beat the Northern Irishman. He beat Gurney, and he had a bit of a go at him. He yeah, basically had a go at him. Well, because he didn't fill up his glass of water. Well, let's yeah, we'll, we'll, anyway. we'll play. We'll play it anyway, and let's see how he talks. Phil. 
Congratulations. What an outstanding performance. Thank you very much. Were you extremely motivated because you were playing Daryl Gurney? 100% was I motivated. Yeah, of course yeah. I was. Yeah. And it showed as well. Yeah. yeah. The worst thing he did, he went on stage and poured himself a drink of water and left me out. I thought, you disrespectful little shit. That's yeah. my exact thoughts. Yeah. I thought, I'll get you. I'll get you for that. And then you thought, I'm going to humiliate him with a big loss. No, I didn't think, you know, I would, I would never think I'll humiliate anybody. I wouldn't do that. But I thought, I might give you a game here because, he, you know, he's younger, he's fresher. And in, in the minutes he's playing probably better than I am. Yeah. At four all, you put on a turbo, I would like to know where you bought it, because I would like to have that one in my car, because you put on a turbo and you went, bang, 16-4. For though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just think he, he just, everything seemed to hit him again. I, I did a couple of good finishes there against him, yeah. put him under pressure, made sure the crowd cheered me and jeered me on a little bit, giving, giving him a little bit back of what he did in the final against Simon Whitlock in, Jan in, in uh, Ireland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Give a little taste. Listen, the medicine tastes nice, but not when it's against you. So let him have a little taste of his own medicine. It won't do him any harm. He needs to learn. Is he a future dart? No, I don't think so. 103.97 average. It was a 66 average. I beat Daryl Gurney. Let him go home. Let him, let him, let him now. Let him sit down and cry a little bit, because I don't really give a shit, to be honest with you. I think he's got a nightmare now. I think he needs to grow up. I think he needs to, to, to look, reevaluate what he's doing, reevaluate his career. He's a cracking player. And if I managed him, trust me, he'd win everything. If I could get alter him, I'd make sure he wins every tournament there ever is, because he's one hell of a dark player, but his attitude isn't wrong. Something tells me I don't think he wants you as a manager. <laughs> I think he'd give his right arm for me if he a manager. Good night, God bless. There's a little bit there with the Dutch, uh, when they go back to the Dutch TV and the presenters are wetting themselves oh, because it's just like, I can only imagine what they're saying. It's like, ooh, he got him, he got him a little bit rattled the, there. The, the... Bella asking the question yeah. very good, isn't it? Yes, yes, you hit the turbo. I'd like to know where you got it from so I could put it in my car, yes. <laughs> Sorry for the people of Holland. I always insult somebody with dodgy accents. So basically what Phil Taylor's saying is he thinks Gurney is disrespectful yeah. because he didn't, he didn't fill up his water, yeah. Yeah. So he has a bit of a he has a lot of belief that he is he I think he said it before uh, oh, he's a bit like what's his name from Father Ted I made a big oh Henry Sellers Henry Sellers he yeah. actually turned around and says I made the PDC oh he basically said it without without them they like without him they be they wouldn't be earning the money they're on and this and the other listen before we kind of before we kind of really give me opinion like there is no denying the guy is the best there ever has been and potentially could be without a shadow of a doubt but yeah. there's plenty of years left in Van Gerwen he's not a million miles away from potentially getting close to that target yeah, yeah. so you can't say there will not I hate the way they say it, it won't be touched he's 15 or 16 world titles I think Van Gerwen has three you, he is that good now can he do for 15-20 years that's a different story that's a different story but but he's shown signs he can but you look at darts now and you look at darts then yeah. The competition now is Oh, it's fierce. a hell of a lot more intense. Yeah. So it mightn't be touched, but there could be guys who could be as good. But anyway, I was at uh, City West a couple of years ago and we got kind of, we were, we were in the kind of players area 
kind of where they go before the game or whatever and there's a little bar and there's a couple of practice tables and the whole lot and they're all there they're all very approachable all terrible nice fellas Gary Anderson the whole lot of them Taylor nowhere to be found he literally just storms through with about 10 minutes before his thing straight through everybody one or two kids are there he just blanks them he has two or three security around me you're like right. listen mate this is dark yeah. you're not going to get that much hassle and he storms straight through and, gone, and you can see a couple of lads looking over as if to say idiot yeah. because we're all there this is our first time seeing him and they're looking at us kind of going yeah yeah that's him lads and this yeah. is four or five years ago this is when he's still in his pump he has that ignorance about yeah him, doesn't he? and you know he can't stand Van Gerwen the way he's over enthusiastic even though this is what us fans want to see every now and then we're coming to that now but he literally can't stand the way he gives it the celebrations and and uh, do you know what I doubt if that's what it is it's he this guy has a chance and I think I think Taylor knows it yeah. this guy's got a chance and I'll tell you what's bothering Taylor as much as anything yeah is that people are able to beat him now yeah and they, oh. look, and they look at him and they don't fear him I think like, that he's him. a bit of a robot he, he doesn't compute defeat like he, he it was never in his radar for 20 years and he never really got beat yeah. and now all of a sudden he's getting beaten more often and he knows he has to go but he doesn't want to go he's finding it very hard sure there was another interview it was on Sky and he's such a name dropper I'm best mate with Robbie I'd say he barely gets a text a year off him yeah. but he drops names like, but he said he got a text off Conor McGregor before the, before the match against Gore and he's if to say look an Irishman got on to me yeah, ahead yeah, of you yeah, did yeah. you get a text off an Irishman and it's like well prove it show me the phone like you know what I mean whatever he's an idiot but anyway he fought he, he fought he played Van Gerwen in the next round Van Gerwen looked after him but Hammer. there was Nigel again uh, one of the just before the break he was at him again because of being a bit too uh, overexcited at the celebrations as usual. And uh, I think it, you could see there was a bit of niggle and uh, Van Gerwen reacts afterwards when he's asked what happened and he tells him, he tells the truth exactly what he said. Here we go. He called him a nub. <laughs> You're a nub again. You're a nub again. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think everyone's starting to get tired of him. Yeah. I think that's the way it is. I don't yeah. think it's just. And they'll they'll give him the plaudits that he deserves when he goes. Of course he does. And Sky are going to do that. Listen, I think it's what it is. He do, it's a bit of a dictator. He doesn't want to give up his power. That's what it is. Yeah. And he keeps going on about respect. He's probably getting plenty of it. But the problem is he's not giving it back. You know, he, he's not giving it back. And that's why they're bored of giving it to him now. It's like, listen, I'm sick of this. You know, you know, be a bit more class, a bit more class. Like, he does see himself as a sportsman. Yeah. Like, he drops in that he got second or third that year. And he's talking about trying to get fit in front of 10,000 people in that arena that day. And 99% of them are all laughing at him going, shut up, Phil, you're a dare player. Take your little moment in the sun. But he thought he was on the level with your AP McCoys and whoever else was that year. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit embarrassing, but I'll never take it away from him. He is the best there is. And, the best that could ever will be. You never know. Yeah. But, you know. Let it go. You're the, if you're the face of darts, you know, put it, put, put it in a better light than what you're doing at that's the minute. It, yeah. You know? So that's my little rant about Phil Taylor. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to go to the ads and then we're going to come back with more of the wonderful world of sports. Just a young gun with the quick fuse. I was uptight, want to let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things want to leave my own life behind. Number. I 
Yeah, there you go. A bit of thunder there from Imagine Dragons. One uh, bit of uh, a type of weather, which I certainly hope doesn't come out in the next couple of hours. Because whatever about being cold, being cold and wet is an awful combination. Yeah, it's not a good Especially when you know you have a four to five hour walk. And if you're not playing well, oh, crying, oh, wet grips and wet clothes, wet hands. Oh, God. I'm already trying to talk myself you out of this. What did they say? First world problems. Yeah. I have to go out and play golf. Oh, it is. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's a first world problem. But um, we're not going to go into as much detail this week because it's, it's just something that won't go away. But Martin O'Neill, uh, rumours are that uh, he is favoured for the Everton job. Well, he's gone in the bookies favour. Yeah, he's bookies favour, um, which obviously means he's been approached. There's, there's chats or there's this that, this, that and the other. And it was the chairman, the Everton chairman turned around two days ago and says we're nearing a conclusion to the managerial position yeah. so this all coincided together and maybe that's why the, the, the delay is there because he's he's torn maybe that's why it's taken so long maybe it's torn where it is but listen if he goes it makes it a lot easier that we can kind of start afresh and give what the majority wants but Brian Kerr had a piece in the independent during the week that we kind of skimmed over and it's roughly his piece isn't really overly critical of it it's more a case of he expects O'Neill to stay and here's some of the things that he really thinks that he should be doing because he's getting paid enough money he can't just keep going and doing what you're doing because it's obviously not been good enough and what he basically said is one of the one of the one of the main things that I jumped on was um what they decide will be critical to this and the senior team's future. He's not the only person who should be reassessing his future in the cold light of these November days and the gap until the next set of competitive fixtures. The entire soccer structure needs to be reassessed. Um, there's an acceptance that the vast cast of coaches and staff will retain their well-paid positions and carry on regardless, but there will be an acceptance from every sporter that this remains the case. So it's basically he's saying a lot of money is being paid to a lot of people whose roles remain unclear in his eyes. And he goes through various aspects of it, like should the manager change his approach? Obviously, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, like he said, he, he kind of quotes that the year 2016 um, performances were slightly overrated um, and that the style and tension so in those games offered hope. And I think that's where the frustration from a lot of us fans is coming from. Yeah. Because we had to give it a go, blah, 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 blah. And then it never happened for two years. Well, let's talk about should the manager change his approach or style, yeah. or whatever. Um I think no, because I think you can't expect a manager who has, you've taken on a manager for the way he has approached other club games. Or, yeah, but what if it's not working, Shano? But that, Do you just sack him and get another guy? Alex Ferguson wouldn't have changed his way of Which playing. Which is true. Bill but he always, Yeah, but he always rounded off the edges on his teams. They didn't play the exact same but way yeah, all the time. But what Martin O'Neill specialises in is what we're doing. That's what he specialises in. And I think it's Celtic really play like that? Or but, Villa? But Celtic, Celtic were... I know they're better players. Well... But it, they it, never played like that, though. No. Why have Lubo Moravchik and uh, Henrik Larsson and all these players if you're going to play that negative? Yeah. Well, because there's confidence in, in, in Scotland hmm. with the teams that they're playing, of course they're going to go out. They're, they're the superior team. When they went into the UEFA Cup... Yeah, a bit of confidence. Yeah, what these are lacking is confidence now, and I don't think, for me personally, I don't think he can. Ch- Leopard can't change spots. I don't think he's going to change. So, yeah. if you want to change the system and shape and positivity, I think you have to go with a different manager. But personally, I think that makes a mockery of the coaching game. How can a manager have one style? <clears throat> That's 
yeah, well, I mean... It does make a mockery of it. What's the point in doing would, it if you're just a one-trick pony? But I think, yeah, maybe maybe that's what separates the, the top, top ones from, from the not-so-top Well, Klopp ones. is one of the top, top ones, and he has one style and one style of own. So the Trapatoni, yeah. and he was hugely successful. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, Wenger it has one style, and he's stuck with it so long. So is there that case? Coaches are bluffers. Bluffers. Yeah, maybe they are. Yeah, bluffers. Maybe they are. Most they, of them are bluffers. They find a way to win games and then when there's questions asked then maybe, you know, there's... Maybe that's... You know, and I understand now why so many managers get sacked now because it's turned into a joke. Yeah, of course. But if your way doesn't work, maybe, maybe they don't have answers. Mm-hmm. So it is... There is a but you have to reassess there. yourself. Like, you know, you, you change personnel because they're not playing the way you want. But if you keep changing personnel over and over, which he is obviously doing... Yeah. Maybe have a look at your players, like really have a look at your players and see if you can maybe turn it around a little bit to work in their favour. That's what your, that's personally what I think your job is as the manager. I'm not going to go in there and just go, this is my way and that's the end of it. And then expect them to follow. And if they don't follow and you really try to find the players who follow you and it's not working, this is where you're getting paid the big bucks. It's, it's only football for God's sake. Yeah. Stand up and kind of go, right, enough's enough. Let's earn me wage. You know, and, and, and right, put, Put the round pegs in round holes instead of what what most managers are doing. Yeah. And that's what annoys me. I, I like even at Liverpool there with the way they played on on Tuesday, it was shocking in the second half. Like the, the the midfield and there is no it's a back four and a front six. There is no sitting midfielder. There is no defense. It's incredible where Henderson and Moynaldum were. Yeah, there is literally nothing in front of that defense. Like it, it it's literally a four zero six. It's ridiculous. So and then Milner and a few of these came in yesterday and think, okay, he's going to bore a little bit, but with a bit of a touch. But it was still the exact same. Milner was ahead of most of them at some, t- at some yeah, points. Yeah. So it's the exact same. So when you get back to the Ireland situation, yeah. for me and the Brian Kerr piece, yeah. one of the questions I ask is, Brian Kerr, should he be, should he be as critical? Uh, should he be throwing his... T- I mean, if people were as critical about him then... yeah. How, I don't know how would he feel but I don't think it's really overly critical the, the proper piece because he's kind of he's asking questions that need to be asked and it's a it's a it's a debatable piece and that's the whole point of it and he's talking as if he's staying and he's not exactly giving out that he is it's kind of like here's what I think he should be doing because I don't think what is what if he's staying what he's doing right now is not working yeah. so is Moniel big enough to stand up and kind of make the, the decisions that he is as the top of the tree but he is very interested in what he's asking about the size of the massive backroom staff. He's he's questioning, and I think he's dead right to question it. What is going on? What How much of a role have these guys in? Yeah. Steve Guppy apparently has literally nursed Odell into the position that he's in. Is it was a pet project? Yeah. Great. That's the first thing I've heard somebody else apart from O'Neill doing something. Yeah. I've never heard what Roy Keane does. No. Is he the court jester, as he alludes to in the piece, that yeah. takes a bit of the uh, spotlight away from O'Neill? Like, what does he really do? And he's getting. Three or four hundred grand a year. Well, I think them questions need to be, yeah. probably need to be uh, answered now. Yeah. Uh, but then again, as I said before, if, if if you're an assistant manager, how many other assistant managers? Just because it's Roy Keane, mm. how many other assistant managers get questioned of what they do? Yeah. They don't. They're in the background. But, they're there. They're there to he, support. But the he's put himself. Well, I'm not saying he's put himself. He's been put in the spotlight. Two days before every international, does Gareth Southgate's number two go out and do the press conference? No, probably not. None of them do. No. So he does. So that's why we're asking questions. Yeah. You're putting yourself in the middle. So therefore we're going, right. And as I've said on this show many a time and Tommy, mates, 
he says a lot of nice things and a lot of right words that y- you're kind of happy with and then you don't see it two days later mm. so are you just sounding nice doing your punditry uh, but you're getting paid 400 grand to do it but you're not actually imparting on the lads I think what it comes down to is when we re- read the piece like this mm. it just echoes everything that everyone's talking about it is about. and it, it, it's probably a safe piece as well but he's very he's, he's not being overly critical of it but it's very much like this is what we I see the future is for the next two years and it'd be nice if one or two of these things were done because he's not been happy like the rest of us because yeah. he, he's fairly confident that O'Neill is sticking around and it's kind of what he would like to see him have a look at listen it's the end of the campaign you have to sit back and do a report and say have I failed or have I not yeah. you have to look at it and that's his, he's kind of half doing it for him if you know what I mean it's his take on it if he was the gaffer but it's interesting but it's not kind of it, there's a bit of thought in it it's not the usual he's got to go or he's got to stay he's, he's, he knows he's staying here's what he kind of like to see him do yeah. Yeah. so, so there you go a chance to read it yeah okay. Brian Kerr and the Independent IE it's interesting James McFadden I thought you were talking about Joe McFadden or Strictly. No. I was like, are we finally going to talk about Strictly? James McFadden, the former Everton and Birmingham yes, correct, have, has offered his antidote on Saipan. <laughs> Having heard yet another tale of madness from Thomas Gravison a few weeks ago, the latest part has been released by McFadden's international career. Uh, basically, James McFadden uh, had been out on Scotland's tour 2002 uh, against South Africa. And... He was coming back, I believe, from that tour at the very same time as Roy Keane was coming back from Saipan after being booted out by Mick McCarthy. And from what I believe, it says the 19-year-old McFadden was bewildered as he thought that the gathered media were waiting for him. (laughs) Because basically what happened... He got a little bit carried away on one of the nights, the uh, Monday night or something like that. It was a, there was a bit of drinking going on, and after going out on the lash, he missed Scotland's team flight for Hong Kong the next day, and was terrified to call Vokes and offer an apology. Eventually, he mustered up the courage to apologise, but he happened to be coming home the very same day Roy Keane was coming back. From <laughs> Brilliant! So he walked out. He says, he says it was a bit embarrassing, but I was a young boy. I stayed with my mum and dad I didn't have a girlfriend around, and I didn't have anybody to answer to apart from my manager Vokes my manager at Motherwell my mum and dad they were all fine so it was alright so I thought everything was all fine it'll blow over then flying back into one of the London airports it was the same time Roy Keane had walked out of the Ireland camp in 2002 so when I touched down there was all the press and I thought no way no way come on I play for Motherwell what are you wanting <laughs> obviously it was for him. It wasn't for just him. Keep moving, so just keep moving. Just keep moving. He was delighted. Like, I could, you, could, you could picture it though. You could look like at it. nineteen. You crap yourself going because yeah. no doubt they're probably told. Listen, try not to get yourself in the papers and people selling stories. And this is his first time he's out. He must have probably been one of the first times he got in trouble. Crapping it, going, I am screwed here. And went, Jeez, there's this many. Oh my no, god, no. me mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyhow, so he, he he obviously saw a relief when he heard Roy Keane was coming through. Ah, that is brilliant. Uh, suppose just to stay with her in a little bit. I don't want to get into too much because I don't want to give anyone a bloody attention. But poor El Cyrus Christie getting a bit of stick. He was getting a bit of stick. Yeah. Now, now it's the usual nonsense. I'd like to think, and I, I, I think I'd be fairly safe to say we all know him and love him and think yeah. he's a great player and this that and the other. And personally, I think these are idiots who aren't really fans and 
are jumping on it because it's what's the done thing to do now with a keyboard and try and be smart and be mean to people and hopefully that's all it is I don't think it's a real sinister thing that's here as much as it used to be I want to leave it at that in the hope that it's going to blow away and whoever they are found and just shut up I have been to many Ireland games yeah. I've, I've never, I've never heard, yeah. heard it yeah. I've never heard it Anyone put it this way none of the 50,000 would be at that no. Anyone that goes aren't they? like they wouldn't go if they were that disgusted. If you yeah, know what I mean, yeah. and I don't think, and I think he knows it as well. And it was a nice statement, so I think he knows it as well. And he knows it's just a couple of brave people. Sure, poor old Harry Arthur got it as well. Yeah, with the sad tragic loss of his baby and stuff like that. There's always some idiot who thinks it's funny to do this, and there'll be no comeback. And hopefully, there's more and more laws coming in that they can go after these people and chase them. And sure, I think it was Adrian Kennedy phone show something awful was put up the other day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're digging into it to try and get the actual phone number to go after whoever it was because it's it's just too easy. We I could do it here right now. I could get onto somebody's Twitter and just say whatever I want and think nothing. Part of it sometimes is it's too easy. Yeah, hopefully that's all it is. But just to go into that, there was a little piece afterwards on RTE, and there's a guy called um, oh, not a bloody name. Uh, apologies if you're listening, Boydu, but it's Boydu Saye. Um, obviously, he's from Liberia. Mm. He's playing for Westmead now. And he was from Liberia, which is incredibly war-torn. Like, it's a proper, proper, horrible place to live. And he lost his... I think he lost his father. and then he, No, he lost his mother to malaria when he was six. And it doesn't mention his dad, so I presume he wasn't around or whatever. So he was taken in by... He was living between his sister's homes before his uncle adopted him and eventually brought him to Ireland. Like, and it's a proper war-torn country. And he lived in shanty towns and the whole lot. But anyway, he was mad for soccer and eventually got into football and it kind of brought him into the community the whole spirit and this yeah. and the other but it was very interesting he said yeah I got a bit but he said the, the ironic thing it wasn't the obvious stuff that bothered me it was like you want to go back to where you came from he said that's the sentence that bothered me because if they knew that hurts me more than the obvious ones because yeah. I don't want to go back where I came from Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'd be dead and it, it was it's just interesting now and they look they touch on a few people who are obviously from different parts of the world who are now living here and it's it's a nice piece to kind of show yeah there is a bit out there but it's it's kind of I think it's their way of advertising that it's not the way it used to be and it's not the way it was and hopefully it's just these idiots who just hide behind the internet because they think oh, I can't you just love to see them getting face to face I think it's, it was a boxer Curtis Woodhouse or something right in England a couple of years ago somebody was really having a right go and he did a bit of digging and found out who they were and actually said he was outside a house or something at one no point no way and uh, they had to apologise in the internet or something like no that because it, it, they were like, right, I'll find you. And yeah, eventually yeah, they found yeah. them and it was really like, oh, I'm sorry, easy. I'm sorry, I was only messing. It'd be very easy to find people yeah. anyhow. But yeah, no, it, it's stupid. And then the people who are in the crowd that day, you know, just stupid. Yeah. Just stupid. And I'd say, I'd say they regret it now. Oh, well, I'd say it's them being just idiots. Yeah. But this was a player that he was playing against. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, that's the sad. And some of these guys go, oh, it's all part of the game. Blah, blah. No, it's not. No. No. You can get in the player's head for being a crap player and this, that, and the other, and get at them. It? What's the phrase for it? Sledging, isn't it? Well, sle- yeah, but proper sledging, like yeah, you're a crap yeah, player and yeah. you're crap, but that, not because of where they're from or what yeah, the colour yeah, of skin yeah, and any yeah. that malarkey. That's just, yeah. we all know what that is. But uh, yeah, hopefully that's all it is. And I think we're fairly confident that's all it is. And I think Cyrus Christie even knows, but it's it's a shame. And Yeah, well, it it's not, all well and good saying you're crap and you let us down, but it, not, not it, because it of what you, it how he looks represent, like. It doesn't yeah. re- represent the, the Irish supporter. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're going to come back with more fun and fun. Maybe a bit more upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting very serious lately, aren't we? Cutting edge. Uh, yeah, coming up after the break. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I 
Oh yeah, good old rock opera queen there. Bicycle race, good choice, my good sir Adam. Good choice. He's That's got right. uh, the next couple of songs. I think are. Our Adams well, he had playlist. Th- yeah. He had thunder. He had bicycle race. All right, so he's had two so far. He has. I think he has two more under his belt. Ah, yeah, he does. And 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 and, and just you wait. Liffy sounds ninety six point four. A big kickoff. Oh eight seven zero six two seven one three eight. If you want to get in touch with us, we have Antonio coming on with um, coachingdiary dot com. Am I right in saying coachingdiary dot com? Coachingdiary com. Yeah. Um, let the kids play. Uh, coming up in the next few minutes. But Diego Maradona. Do you know when you're walking past your mate? Oh, how's the wife? Oh, Diego, don't ask Diego now at the moment. Diego Maradona has accused his two daughters of stealing £3.4 million from him and has called for one of them to be jailed. No way, his own daughter. (laughs) Uh, He's also accused his wife of being involved in the alleged theft uh, and alleging that they've stashed some money in Uruguay. The 57-year-old football legend is suing ex-wife Claudia Villafani and his daughters Dalma and Giannina. Now, I don't know exactly... But one of them could have been or is with Sergio Aguero. I know definitely one of his daughters was one married. Where, yeah. So I don't know if it's one of these t- uh, one of the, one of these two daughters. I haven't a clue. But the former Barcelona player uh, says his family transferred stolen cash to a bank account in Uruguay and also used his money to buy a property in the USA. Right. And uh, the lawyer claims 28-year-old Giannina, who I think that's about that age is about right yeah, potentially is, for Sergio yeah. Aguero, uh, was in Uruguay for a few hours in August. And he's like, boy. So uh, the lawyer said, I say to you that she has an account in Uruguay and her child takes the money and puts it into another. Right. So they've been siphoning his money over the last couple of years or for however how long. But yeah, he, um, Giannina responded to the allegation on Twitter saying, they know where I live and they can come if they want. Right. So, that's interesting. Isn't so that? yeah, poor El Diego's having a, a spot of bother, but sure, we'll wait and see uh, how, how <laughs> that pans out. But yeah, he's claiming that they've uh, stolen three million from him. Diego wouldn't be the most balanced character, would he? No, no. So it's hard to know. It's very possible though. Mm, I mm. mean, people. There is a lot of people out there. No, it's own daughters. That'd be harsh. Yeah, it depends how well he treats his daughters, I suppose. As yeah, well, exactly. It? So you just don't know. He, he has never given himself that balanced look yeah. where you say, "Yeah, Diego's in control." But he's obviously still raking in the cash, though. Oh no doubt Yeah well, 3 million I was, I was like Jesus Christ Like don't get me wrong He would have been on good money Actually yeah. that, that's a That's a fair point To roll into There was another headline I seen yesterday Do you know what the average For the Premier League Player is nowadays I don't know 60 Weekly wage 60 Alright that's a bit optimistic It's 50 50k 50. a week Is the average weekly wage At the moment Yeah In uh, See and that's including That's including The youth players Yeah Unbelievable. It's incredible. Um, basically, the NBA are still the best paid players, but it's only small squads, like I've say 15 players. Um, but who are the best paying football club in the world? I don't know. We go City. City are fifth. Barcelona are top. Okay. Barcelona, then PSG, then Real Madrid, and good old Man United are fourth. Is that because, just because Barcelona have had the big lads? And oh, have, that's exactly what it is. Like, uh, United would have been even more. United were top last year, but they got rid of a lot of fat contracts in Wayne Rooney, Schweinsteiger, right, and a few okay. others. So they dropped the fifth. Then it was City, but they're neck and neck. Then Bayern, Juve, Chelsea, Arsenal, Atletico. Liverpool are 11th. 11th. Um, just ahead of Spurs, Milan, and who are after them? West Ham. 14th in world football. And fighting relegation. Right, and... Good. And do you know who's that, under them? Everton. <coughs> well, we got. We'll do a little link into. We'll do a little link into West Ham. So we had a oh, West it. Ham call after. Who did West Ham play in their first game? They lost, didn't they? Uh, Leicester. Leicester. No, that was a draw. That was the draw on Friday night. 
apologies was yeah it? but that wasn't his first game no um, yeah it was defeat but I couldn't tell you Watford Watford could have been Watford anyhow Talksport had a fan who wasn't too happy I love this David Moyes mate it's time for him to go I think after one game listen mate in this day and age when you bring in that manager to have his kind of rescue mission you need to get off to a good start and this guy he's come in and he's lost his first game and I've seen the lack of passion today I've never seen anything like it mate what I want to see is a, an East London lad taking charge Mark Noble right listen I'm telling you now right he get the passion out of the players Stuart if Pep Guardiola said he'd manage West Ham would you take him? no I would not because he's not from the area yes He's not from the area, mate. He'll never get any passion out of them, boys. Stuart, the way you're talking, you're suggesting you'd rather have Ray Winston in charge of West Ham than David Moyes. Ray Winston could be assistant in some <laughs> sort. Of, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. Feeding them pie and mash before the game <laughs> and all, mate. You know what I mean? We might have a weekly West Run down Ham. the apple and pears, you know, it's sorted. <laughs> a weekly Always bet responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could be the assistant, mate. This is how delusioned uh, they are. Poor old Davy Moyes. One, one game and they want to get rid of him. Yeah, okay, there, mate. There <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's the madness of it all, isn't it? I love it. I love. I love fan phone ins. I love him. One game in and he's gone. One out game in and he's gone. You know, crazy stuff. No, we got a draw yesterday, so maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ah, look. Yeah. It's it's quality. Have you got something up there about FIFA 18? I have a FIFA 18. Yeah, I was kind of. I was debating whether to bring this up or not, but our beloved packs that we all like to open and I was only giving out to Adam there off air I'm, I'm having an awful barren spell of opening up these packs and getting absolute tripe yeah. I'm sick of it just give me one half decent player I'm getting bored of it but anyway they could be banned so it if Belgian, uh, Belgian officials have it to yeah. do with it because they are what? It says mixing gambling and gaming especially at a young age is dangerous to the mental health of a child so how is he trying to go on? Oh he's giving the son the glare there He's giving him the glare yeah uh, Now in fairness How is it gambling? They say that the addiction towards uh, that you have yes no I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to admit it opening up these packs which you have to purchase no you, you can get Some them through them, uh, no no you can though without a shadow of a doubt and, and I've thought about it a lot myself yeah so you've thought about it and what they're saying is that kids who can get access to money cards mm -hmm. whatever it is and they want that Ronaldo they want that yeah. Messi they want whoever it is and they're probably willing to pay this money mm -hmm. and they're taking that gamble each time and they go, oh no, maybe I'll just open another packet and go, oh, I'll just open another packet and soon, if they're paying for it, the money, and that's, and they're, and they're basically saying, but us having gamble. kids, as we know, that ruins so many games. Oh, that would be gone. Disney's Magic Kingdom that Neve plays and I play whatever, I keep going. You can buy jewels that can buy more rides for the park and build yeah. it. It's the exact same thing. Same thing with Simpsons. Uh, yeah. tapped out I might say it's not gambling because it just gives you more money to buy for more things while this is a lottery who you're going to get yeah and I think Star Wars has something similar Front 2 I think has and it. there's a couple of other games yeah. that have something similar but uh, I, I get where it could be a problem but I think it's one of these things like come on if the kids are going bananas there should be restrictions on yeah. what they can and can't do and they shouldn't have the credit card number or, you know closed like there should be a way of shutting down your account that you can't buy anything unless you come on and put in a password they shouldn't be it's nonsense yeah so I do think put up other barriers to stop the kids from you can't buying. you shouldn't be allowed to destroy the game yeah 
you, you need to you need to think and put your thinking caps yeah. on and figure out a way that is going to benefit. But there should be a everyone. password that only your parents know if they, if they have kids. Simple as that. That's it. How are they going to purchase something then? Oh, there's Luca Modric. I love I'd love a player. Luca Modric, eighty nine. Josh, I know there's nothing worse like you're getting this bloody premium goal pack and then all of a sudden you get some guy that's from Athletic Bilbao you've never heard of and he's 76 and you're like am I supposed to be impressed by this <laughs> nightmare um, did you see <laughs> the I think it was the, it's the league finale did they do that in a cup style in Australia um, I know they do a playoffs as well and then they do a one off grand final as far as I remember I don't think it's, I don't think it's over two this is it Aussie cup final so maybe it's a cup final maybe oh maybe they have a knockout final. cup as well okay so basically what happened was over in Australia Sydney FC won Australian the Australian cup final cup. yeah that's the knockout cup yeah beat Adelaide 2-1 in extra time yeah did you see this no so that's why I'm kind of looking ahead going what the hell okay so uh, basically what happened was less than three minutes after Brazilian Bobo had headed home the winner top quality. for Sydney uh chaotic scenes on the sidelines after a ball boy had refused to immediately Those hand over ball the ball to Michael Moroni uh, the Adelaide United defender manhandled the kid to the ground who was at the half kicked one for Swansea remember yeah. and then he rolled and rolled and rolled around but then he looked into the crowds and said got him yeah it was, and he got banned for it too. yeah yeah oh, I can't remember who that was he gave him a little nudge and said yeah pesky little sour but anyway we'll, so we'll, we'll do a little clip anyway. oh just a clip brilliant come on <laughs> There's dodgy ads for us. There's a guy with a sombrero, and it looks like he looks like Mohammed Salah. <laughs> Hold on, we're nearly there. We can't even skip it. <laughs> it's ask your pharmacist, so it's something to do with tablets. Do, but he seems uh, very happy to be on. Other tablets, tablets are uh, <laughs> they're available. <laughs> and dry cough. Yeah, but other uh, other cough medicines. Oh, and Adam coughs. Uh, that's appropriate. Tell your cough to cough off. So tell your cough. Here we go. Here's the clip. <laughs> trying to find out how Zulu is meantime something sparks something on the touchline and it's a free-for-all involving the benches the players the coaches the backroom staff everybody what on earth spark that as they try and sort things out that Simon appears to be in the center of things Michael Kurtz trying to calm things down. Adam Peacock is right in the thick of that for us down on the touchline. Adam, did you see what happened there? I did, unfortunately. Michael Moroni came over to get the ball off the ball boy. The ball boy didn't give it. And Chris Griffith-Jones knows the story and he's given him a straight red. He is off. The poor ball boy is so rattled, it's not funny. He doesn't know what's come on. Michael Moroni actually tried to go home and get the ball to him, off him. And ended up actually looked like a bear hug on the ball kid, and the, the ball kid. So basically, what happened is he went over it, tried to get the, the the football off him, yeah, and knocked him over. Yeah, really. uh, yeah, and it wasn't like a blatant, blatant. He wasn't exactly throwing it back to him, but he wasn't exactly running away from it. But yeah, he he made sure he'd done the job. But anyway, Sydney won, and what did? Michael boy. Zulo do well the ball boy would later be rewarded for his time wasting heroics Sydney's Michael Zulu gave or presented him with his winner's medal now <laughs> this is my take on it, right <laughs> hold on soapbox I'm pulling right. out from under the table get on it there he went over <laughs> they, you swear that they, your man assaulted him 
<laughs> he went over and he put his arms around him to try and get the follow. Boy. He, he practically <laughs> dived. Right, your man Nazi from Everton got done for a couple of games. He practically dived on the ground. Little shit should be giving the ball back. That's his job. This is like the kid. Remember the riots in, in Ireland against thing? All he was doing was standing in the middle of the field looking at it. And he got so many free trips all over England. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that always bothered me. But he, <laughs> he, got, he got a medal. So they're actually rewarding him for not doing his job. Because his job is to get the ball and give it back in. Yeah, but he's he, a home ball boy. He's done his job for them, so... So we cheated. So what the, the, the message they're sending out is, yeah, now you cheat and uh, we'll reward you. So uh, uh, stop. So that was that. Is that Adelaide? Uh, that was Sydney. 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 So uh, a boo of the week goes to Sydney. Uh, <laughs> wrong message. Just Sydney. Wanna, wrong message. Just a little tie into that. I just want to mention it because I thought it was a classy touch. We were talking about uh, Daniele De Rossi last week and about why am I coming on this kind of thing a bit of an admiral thing I heard another story about him and showing the class that he has uh, his World Cup winners medal from 2006 uh, Tanny Kipman died a couple of years ago he yeah. was an integral part of the squad and uh, he went to the funeral and put his medal in the coffin with him oh did he and FIFA heard about it and went to give him one he goes no it's where it should be ok that's good so that's it just good. goes to show you so that one went where it should have gone for that's it, where it went, yeah. some ball boys got one give it to Daniel De Rossi <laughs> Poor, poor. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we have uh, Antonio in next. We're going to play a song just before that. Adam, so we can. Uh, what song have we got coming up next? This is the White Stripe Seven Nation Army. Boom. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. On the line, we have Antonio Montero, who runs a great website and Facebook page called Coach Diary Let the Kids Play. Antonio, welcome to the big kickoff. Cheers, guys. Thanks, uh, Listen, Antonio, for those who don't know the Coach Diary, um, can you explain its purpose and how it all started out? Um, I suppose the purpose really is uh, on Twitter and that I, um, I also have a blog coachdiary.com is, is just a platform for coaches who want to educate and learn themselves about the game uh, in terms of developing their knowledge and, and their insight into, into how and best to coach children that play um, recreational sport um, I started it uh, probably about six or seven years ago now I think and um I started it because I was just looking for more information. I was looking to see how I could become a better coach. Yeah. Having spent a year of um, prowling the sidelines, roaring and shouting at, at kids, and, and um, I just felt at the end of the season, of my first season of coaching, that I wasn't enjoying it. The kids certainly weren't enjoying it, and uh, I just wanted to find a, a different way, another way, and maybe a more enjoyable way of, of coaching uh, kids. Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, there's been a few few little websites and Facebook pages that have a similar purpose to that. But let's start from yeah. let's, let's start from the top down, I suppose. The Republic of Ireland football team's World Cup dreams were shattered when Denmark trashed us five one in Dublin a couple of weeks ago. Well, the Irish supporter can understand that we don't qualify for all tournaments, not guaranteed. They're kind of a bit disgruntled about the style and the nature of the play throughout the campaign. The FAI have a development plan in place that encourages basically the opposite style of play to 
our pinnacle football, which is the Irish national senior team. What do you make of all this? Um, well, well, first and foremost, I think, you know, at an international level, they are in the entertainment zone. So um, the, the main focus is, is to win games regardless of, of, of how you play. Yeah. Um, you know, we all want to see nice football. We want to, we all want to see teams kind of trying to play out from the back and up through the thirds and into the final third. Um, it's not always possible, but um, I, I, you know, I think every supporter wants to see our national team kind of mix it up a little bit and not go long when we don't need to go long. Yeah. Um, I think probably now at the youngest ages, you know, football is um, is certainly improving in terms of in terms of style um, there's obviously a lot more qualified coaches um, but at the same time there's probably more kids playing the game now than ever before yeah so although you have a lot of coaches who are, are more qualified um, you have a lot more children that are playing so in terms of, of kids breaking through it's probably even harder now because there's so many kids that are playing um, uh, I, I think you know I suppose the FAI, I mean, they, they, they kind of facilitate football. They, they, they in a sense, um, provide, I suppose, the, the coaching courses for, for people to get educated and, and, and develop through the coaching pathway. Um, their main focus, from what I can see, is really international football. I don't think they're, they're, they're really focused on, on youth football. No. Although, you know, with the new implementation of the underage leagues at 15, 17 to 19, it's certainly... You know, a very, very good idea. Um, I'm not too sure at 13s that it is. So we'd rather see another 21s league. Um, I think at 13s there's, there's enough being done at schoolboy football, um, and also it's an age where, where, where kids are coming through pu- puberty and that. So there's, there's massive big changes at that age. So it's not based on a lot of research. It's not the ideal age to have um, elite competitive football. I wouldn't even say elite because these kids aren't elite. Um, to me, you're only an elite athlete when, when you reach. Uh, professional level, you're actually getting paid for it. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, it, it, and just to probably the last touch on the senior side of things, uh, is blaming the style of play on our lack of technical ability probably just is it a scapegoat when you see the likes of Dundalk playing in Europe against the best and and playing a more positive style? Well, I think these look all these footballers that are playing for Ireland are all technically proficient you know um, they wouldn't be professional footballers if they weren't you know if they weren't able to pass and control the ball um, that they can do if you look at the Danish team and you look at our team I mean probably some of the Danish players looked like they were technically better at the same time though we haven't been playing that style of play so you know maybe for players to, to, to kind of all of a sudden start knocking the ball around probably under pressure it was probably going to be a little bit difficult Difficult. also that wasn't didn't seem to be that was the game plan um, I have no doubt that these lads can play ball I have no doubt that these lads can, can pass and knock the ball around um, they do it every week in the Premier League yeah. I mean watch our Irish players in the Premier League you know we're not looking at them every week and going Jesus he's giving the ball away every couple of no, seconds he he's terrible he's giving the ball we, we don't see that you know we see our lads are playing that they're able to control the ball and pass the ball and move the ball on and um, so I don't really buy that um, our players aren't, aren't technically good enough. I think probably at the younger stages we probably don't do enough on it. But when these guys get to England, you know, and they're, they're playing in the, in the top teams in England in the Premier League, I mean that's all they're working on every day is technique, is passing, yeah. is, run, so, is running with the ball, is moving the ball. So, so they're well able um, to do it, and, and so pardon? they're well able to do it. So it's not a, it's not a, 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 a thing of that we can't do it. 
it's uh, no, it's probably no. it's 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 actually a belief nearly installed in them that they're they're not allowed, are able to do it. I have my son is in here with me today, Adam, and he watched the Ireland games, and this is where I'm leading too. He watched the Ireland games with me and kind of commented on how poor they are and commented on the simple things of he's just kicking the ball away. Why is he doing that? So we we have younger footballers who are looking up to the senior team as their heroes and they're playing a style of football that even a nine-year-old can look at a game and be baffled by. So what what, what I'm coming around to is the FAI had a plan, as you mentioned already, from the under-13s upwards, but they seem to have neglected the most important developing years, you know, from four to 12. What are your thoughts on that? Um... I think now we're getting caught up in, in kind of the, 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 the four, five, the six, you know. I mean, now the Dublin District Schoolboy Leagues have under sevens, uh, sorry, under sixes and under sevens, which is the academy team in each club, you know, moving around, playing fixtures in preparation for the under eights. Um, and I always thought the under eights division or, or fixtures was in preparation for the under nines, but now we seem to be going backwards. Yeah. Um, also, they're putting the best of the best at, at too young of age, in, in my opinion. I, I don't think that you know the best kids should be playing against the best kids at under seven, at under eight, at under nine, at under ten. And the reason being, I believe, is that we no longer produce players that are technically, you know, able to go past players, great dribblers, and that. And, and I believe the reason we don't do that is because we're putting all the best kids together at such a young age that when a when a really good dribbler comes up against another kid. He's probably coming up against one of the best defenders. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult for him maybe to dribble past that kid, or else he's been told or encouraged not to dribble and, and maybe to pass. You know, I've yeah. been to some of the underage games, and you can hear some of the coaches saying pass, 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 pass. So they're basically taking the decision making out of the child um, uh, and making it coach coach orientated and instruction orientated from the line. If you have mixed ability kids, say up until I don't know under tens, under elevens those kids who would be really really good really good technically would be able to dribble and that's because they'd probably be coming up against kids who, who wouldn't be at their level yet so it'd yeah. be a little bit easier for them to dribble around those kids and for me that's how the likes of the best dribblers in the world learn they didn't learn by playing against the best from a very young age they learned by playing against other kids of all levels and all abilities yeah. either on the streets um, or, 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 or through, their, through their underage setups, um, and I think this the best of the best at a young age is, is is just the wrong way to go. I don't think we're going to produce the players that we think we're going to produce, um, and it, and it's kind of shown in the last number of years. I mean, with some of the kids that are coming through. I mean, if you look at our international teams at under twenty one and under nineteen, they're mostly made up of English kids. Yeah. And they're mostly made yeah. up of English born kids. You know, we're not looking at the Irish kids, and we should be. You know, there should be something there that says, well, you know, we'll, we'll only, if you're playing in Ireland, then our under 19 team is only going to be based on, on Irish based players. Yeah. You know, maybe as we get into senior, then, then we'll look to mix it up. Because they're still the development years. In international level, they're still the development years. It's only really at under 21 that it becomes really, really super competitive and, and kind of relates then to, to the senior team. Um, would like I said, the coaching is getting better at the younger ages. There's certainly more kids playing football. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, with, with so many more kids playing, there's much more teams within age groups, and and, and the quality is not there. The quality is not there to, to to get down to those kids in all the grades. Generally, what happens is the most qualified coach works with the with the A team, with the first team. So you have all the kids who are in the A team, the ten kids, seven kids, 
15 kids, whatever it is, they're all getting the best of coaching. They're all improving because they're playing against the best kids. You've got the 99% below that that aren't improving. And they're just, as they as they go up through the age groups, they're still staying at the same level, same level, same level. And eventually they get to 15, 16, and, and they either give up or they just disappear, you know? So what would you do? If you were in charge of our technical development, how would you approach it? What I would do is first, I wouldn't have children traveling from the ages of five, six, seven, and eight. I, I would make sure that um, teamed, I suppose, team football, probably for me, shouldn't start until about under nine. Um, and from the years below that, say under sevens, under eights, you would hold blitzes in your club. So you would hold weekends where you would invite three or four teams over. They would come, they, they, you basically play lots and lots of games for maybe an hour, to, for two hours minimum. Um, you play lots of games, all the kids would get a run, um, all the kids would get equal time. And then when it comes to training, each age group will have a, a, a qualified coach, the most qualified, you know, say say you wait for A or you wait for B coach, who would then control each age group. So say the under nines, you know, Mick looks after that, he's a qualified, he's a for A coach. He's implementing the same coaching style at under eights, under nines, under tens, all the way up. All the kids at under nine are getting the same level of coaching. So they're all coached at the same time. Yeah. And they're all getting the same level of coaching. So that allows for kids to move up and down. Okay, yeah, at under nines and under tens, maybe have a little bit of streaming. So where you might have, I suppose, because you don't want to put all the weaker kids coming out every weekend and playing against, you know, all, all the best kids from another club. And then, being, you know, absolutely annihilated every week where they're losing by, 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 by big scores. So for training mix all the kids then when it comes to the weekend you know again mix the, mix the teams we'll make the teams fair so you know allow kids to move up and down if, if they need to move up and down and, and progress so if, if one kid you know might he's not quite there yet maybe he needs to stay at a, at a certain level within that age group if there's a kid who's, who's playing at the top and all of a sudden you know he's had he doesn't seem to be pushing on a little bit move him down then for a couple of months and then move him back up yeah. um, and I think that all the way up until under 12 until we get into actually uh, competitive Leagues where the, where, where the points mean three, where, you know, where the games and the wins mean three points at the end of it. I think kids should be allowed to move up and down within the age group, and uh, all, all the coaching that those kids are getting. Every single kid at the club, the club is getting the same level of coaching, uh, same level of coaching. The guys who are looking after those age groups, so you know, you might only have six, five to six guys in each of the clubs. They will then go and get educated. Uh, either be, be it by the FAI, um, or the you know the FAI will 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 organise conferences in relation to development, you know what they want and all that kind of stuff. And each six or seven of those guys from each of the clubs will then go to the FAI, whatever, every couple of months, once a year, whatever it be, and they would get their instruction. And they would get whatever they need to get to bring back to the clubs to, to coach those kids in in the, in the right way, so that everybody across the whole of Ireland. Singing from the same hymn sheet. We're all doing the same things. We all have the same attitude in relation to child development, where it's open, where it's not, where it's not, you know, it's not a straight line to the top. We know yeah. that child development is is a curved line. You know, it's that way. You progress. There's a little bit of regression. There's a little bit of progression along the way. You know, and I've seen it myself working with kids where from six months to six months you have progression, and then you might have regression, and then they progress again. You know, so. We had um, we had Marco Sullivan on uh, good few, well, probably a month ago or so, um, and we talked about similar things. Uh, now this is obviously we're focusing more on, on on an Irish situation here. But one of the things we, we were talking about was basically on society that society has kind of let us down as well. I mean, when you look at houses being built, 
there's a lot of apartments being built there doesn't be a lot of green areas like there used to be so then it takes away from uh, you call it street football it can still be out in grass areas you know that sort of way so maybe society you know uh, parents it's parents are more reluctant to let their kids out playing uh, football out in, on the roads or what have you so maybe a society we're, we're, we're taking away a lot of that time that you learn yourself you teach yourself how to develop as a player uh, and just go, just going on from that i mean uh, let's talk about the leagues that are running ireland as we are located in dublin the ddsl has probably the power to influence in this area do you think the ddsl are helping or hindering development i think that um in certain ages they're trying to help it in certain ages the lower ages are probably hindering it but they're basically hindering and not knowing that what they're doing. So, I mean, you have to understand that a lot of people that run these leagues are volunteers. They, yeah. you know, they don't really understand child development. They un- they understand implementation of fixtures. They understand implementation of um, of rules. They under they understand implementation um, uh, uh, of league tables. So they don't necessarily understand how children learn. Yeah. You know, I think that you know, even playing five v five at under eight, under nine. You know, a lot of kids can't adapt to 5v5. You know, yeah. They just don't have the mechanical ability to adapt to 5v5. Another thing is, a child could go nearly three weeks, four weeks, month, two months, three months without even scoring a goal in 5v5. Yeah. And the whole point of 5v5 is that kids get plenty of touches and they score goals. In yeah. Belgium, they actually don't play 5v5. They play 2v2. So with under sixes, under sevens, they play 2v2. And then they move at under eights, then they move into a 5v5. However, at the same time, they understand that not all kids can make that transfer from 2v2 to 5v5. So they still encourage the 2v2 at under 8. Yeah. What do we do? We do something different. If, we, if it's 5v5 and another team shows up with an extra two players, we end up playing 7v7. You know? So we think, oh, we've got more players. Well, we don't want to need someone on the sidelines. So we'll play 7v7. Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, then, you know, we're actually getting further, even further away from, from what, we, what we were trying to achieve, which is we're trying to, I suppose, recreate what three football was, which was more touches, more fun, more goals, no rules. And because we have these structures and because the league is implementing this and because the, base, the education is not feeding down into the clubs and the education is not feeding down into the coaches, people just start doing their own thing. And they start thinking, well, it's, it's best not to leave a kid on the sideline, so we'll just play 7v7. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, it's actually detrimental. Yeah. That game... You know, the same kid who might be the, could be the weakest kid. He's probably not getting any touches. He's probably he's probably not enjoying it because he's not getting any touches and he's, he's not scoring any goals. Yeah. And, and probably his teammates aren't passing to him because they know that he's one of the weakest kids. But if he was playing two v two, he'd have to be passed to. Yeah. And the player would have to pass to him. Another thing is two v two encourages much more attacking play because when you're in possession of the ball, you generally have the player in front of you. You know, you're always looking to go ahead. You're always looking to go attack. You're always looking to dribble because you might only have one player ahead of you, or you might have two, and you might think, well, I can dribble past these guys. But generally, you only have one because one is either facing the other, the other fellas is minding the goal. Um, so I, I think that the leagues they're trying to do their best, but I think they need to be engaging much more. You know, they need to be engaging in social media. They need to be engaging much more with people who are on talking about these things. I mean, there's a lot of people who have a lot of knowledge in, in terms of child development in this country, and we're not tapping into it. Yeah. We're not speaking to these people. We're not holding seminars. We're not holding conferences. I mean, the FAI held a coaching conference this weekend, 
what was it made up of? It was made up of all FEI coaches. Who yeah. we went to it? 150 people. Most of them were RDOs. I mean, where's all the coaches going to these things? Why, why aren't they? I mean, I just don't think that the information and the stuff is feeding down to where it needs to be, to the grassroots. You know, yeah. I mean, I held, a, I held a coaching conference a couple of years ago. I had 110 people on it. You right. know, I'm a small blog. Yeah. The FEI yeah. are a massive platform and they can only get 150 at theirs. So do you think they're going you know, through the motions? Do you think they're going through the motions? A bit. Um, I think they're just facilitating things. I mean, I think yeah. that their main priority is international football. Their main priority is to pay the debts on, on the Aviva Stadium. Um, so I don't see grassroots football really as a priority. I think the underage is being brought in to, to put a bit of structure into the underage, but it's predominantly been left to the League of Ireland clubs to run. It's saying, look, this, this is what's happening. You guys need to run this, make sure, make sure it happens, you know. And it's, yeah. I suppose <clears> it's putting a lot of pressure on League of Ireland clubs who are already under massive financial um, constraints to have to uh, now all of a sudden try and find funding to, 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 to run the under 15, the under 17, the 19 division. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, I have my son. Adam uh, here beside me. He's nine years of age. Came into the, to the show to have a look around. Adam, what's what do you enjoy most about football? It's a hard question. It's a hard question. What do you what do you like about football? It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. What do you enjoy doing in it? Getting the ball and and passing it. And passing it. So that's what your enjoyment is. Uh, I couldn't really hear him there. What he said, he said, getting the ball and then passing it. So he, yeah. he, obviously, as you said, he he likes he likes to get on the ball. Now I know him as a player. He likes to get on the ball and run with it, as, as you said. Um, so and I, gar- I guarantee with Adam as well. You know, most kids don't like to train. They don't like training. Yeah. I, mean, I, I see kids in, in my after school when they're parents are picking them up and they're heading off to train and oh, I don't want to go training I don't want to go training most kids don't like training tell you what they do they love they love the game at the weekend they love yeah. coming down putting the jersey on playing the game at the weekend and they certainly don't want to be left either on the sideline or not playing or not getting enough touches and not scoring goals that's yeah. what kids want they want to play they want to score goals they want to have fun with their mates and that's it and that's, and that's how and we, they want to improve and that's what we did when we were younger we, all, we just wanted to play we just wanted to get out play yeah trying to learn how to beat a player and it's, it's no different than the structured element uh, it, it should just be get out and play and enjoy yourself um, listen the, 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 uh, this is the DDSL now again and this is what it kind of breaks it down the amount of games that are called off or have been idle uh, the summer break of two months uh, which I feel is, is too much again are, are these, all, all these things just, just not beneficial to the development I don't think I don't think they are. I mean, you know, this this we voted for summer football. We got calendar year football. Um, you know, there was too many stop starts. There's been three transfer season, three transfer windows in, in this year alone. You know, where, where, where kids are able to move clubs. So there's too much movement. Um, look, I'm all for for kids who weren't getting games and aren't enjoying it to, to go and move. But at the same time, it, for teams who 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 you know were trying to I suppose to, to create and develop a a, a, a little bit of a, a structure it can be difficult when you've got three transfer winners and all of a sudden kids are moving from here to there yeah. if you were, I was involved with the under 16 age group you know our, our age group was, was, was just totally decimated was totally ripped up um, we didn't get a transfer window after the, summer, after the summer when a lot of lads went to under 17 during the summer during the, the transfer window in July so we just left a lot of teams including my own with, with very, very few players 
uh, and also unable to replace the players that had left. Yeah. Um, I think if you're going to go calendar your football, you need to either play through play through the summer or just go back to the way it was. Go back to w- w- within the school year. I think the school year kind of suited everybody. Everybody knew roughly when the league started and when this league ended. Um, the, have they not? The holidays. Have they not you know, just? This, this co- thing has stopped starting, and then you're finishing June, and then you're doing a little bit in July, and then you're not coming back till the end of August. And have they know, not I mean, just made the league? the same as it was the same period of time you're playing but just calling it summer football because we used to play yeah. from February anyhow because the weather was bad in January and till, till June yeah. or whatever playing from September to November anyhow because the weather was bad anyhow yeah. so they haven't actually brought in summer football they've just suggested that it is summer football no they haven't no it's, it, it's the same thing you're just I suppose you're just squeezing it all into a year as opposed to doing it with the school year which is a year and a bit you know yeah, and the, mo- two, the most disappointing two, two thing years as such yeah, the most disappointing thing is is that uh, I think clubs haven't been they, they weren't uh, I suppose asked there was no they didn't look for information back about you know sh- how did the first year go in, in in summer football what could we do yeah. to make it better uh, it, they kind of just charged on again which I see in the new rules listen uh, I have a clip here and hopefully you'll be able to hear it have a clip here and, and we'll just it's about one minute 48, 49 and uh, we'll just have a little chat about this after okay Kids inherently want to be good teammates. I really believe that with all my heart. Most kids, when they're on a team, I guarantee you, go watch any seventh, seven-year-olds or eight-year-olds, they want to be good teammates. You watch them play. When they get a little bit older and they start having a little more success and then the parents get involved, they become not-so-great teammates because they're told a lot of times that you're not going to get anywhere unless you shine, unless you, you know, so now, back in the day, we had AAU tournaments. You had to win X number of games to qualify for the national championship. And you played on your team, and you, you had to live in your state or whatever, your area, to play. And you played, and if you lost, you went home, and it was devastating. And that's Rebecca and Jamel Elliott and Jen Rosati and Nikisha Sales, you know, going, you know, Megan Patterson, as far back as them. Well, that's changed. Now when kids go to these tournaments, they're not going there to win games. They're going there so that the coach can see them exhibit their skills. So this idea of winning for the weekend doesn't exist anymore. So it's not their fault. That's just the way it is. And I... You know, I try when when we go recruiting to identify those kids who still have a tremendous interest in being great teammates. We're not always successful. Believe me, I've had my share of guys that were really hard to coach for that reason. And you can trace it back generally to the parents. Without question, you can trace it back to the parents. So, uh, I can't spell this. I can't pronounce the second name. Gino Aramera. Ariema. Ariema. Good man, Dave. Uh, he, he's talking about parents and basically putting their kids in shop windows and forgetting that they're actually playing a team sport with the rest of the team. How do we solve the fading drive that is teamwork? Um, I think we just. I think parents look. They're a big part of the game. Um, you know, without them. We wouldn't have, you know, a, a large amount of teams. I mean, in my club, I think I'm 
there's me and another guy, but I'm not sure if he's still involved. Um, I'm the only one who's not coaching their own child. So yeah. there's 50 odd teams. There's only one team that, 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 that has a coach that's, that's no child involved. Um, and that's probably the same across a lot of clubs where the vast majority of the coaches are, are parents. Yeah. Um, and I think parents are kind of like a double edged sword. They're either. You know, too hard on their child, or else they're too soft on them. That you know, it's really hard to get, to get it. You know, to get it right, to to be fair. You know, to be fair in terms of how much they play. To be fair in terms of how much they they're getting their child to do on on a football pitch. You know, I take all the corners, the free kicks, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about winning, and and we certainly don't want to get away. I mean, the way I look at it is that. You know, when, when 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 kids go out to play, they go out to play to have fun. You know, they go out to play to have to win the game. I, I'm yet to meet a kid that doesn't go out to, to, to not want to win, that goes out to make mistakes, um, you know, and, and that goes out to, to, to not do their best. All kids try and go out and do their best. They try not to make mistakes, and they all go out to try and win the game. Um, I think sometimes it's the adult agendas and the adult egos that's getting twined into that. And uh, can can kind of kind of confuse things and make us think that maybe the kids actually don't want to win um, or are not interested in 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 progressing or, or improving in the game when they are. I think it's probably because they're not really at our pace. We're expecting so much from them. We're expecting them to improve a lot quicker. We want them to do things a lot quicker because we see things a lot quicker to them, and it's not really transferring down to the kids. So we get frustrated and we think, oh, look, you know, these kids aren't winners. They don't want to win." The problem is they don't want to win as much as you want to win. And yeah. I think that's, that's where the problem lies, is that we have a lot of adults get involved and they want to win more than the kids themselves. And every weekend the game is like that, where they're being frustrated and they're getting cranky with the players. So then the kids see that as, well, you know what? Winning, you know, it, it doesn't really bother me anymore because, you know, I see my coach, he gets so frustrated with it. He's trying to make us want to win. You know, uh, on his level every single weekend, and I suppose then for a lot of kids it just becomes, you know, winning is not a nice feeling anymore because it's because of the, the amount of effort and I suppose the amount of instructions that's been taken for the kids to win. Um, I think what a lot of coaches and parents just need to do is just sit back, you know, allow the game to happen. It's you know, basically you train, you, you give your instruction during training, um, training is where you set the standards. You know, and then when the kids play their game at the weekend, that's the that's the that's the, that's the time for them to show you what they've learned um, yeah. and uh, and how they're going to implement it on the pitch. Yeah. And I think as sometimes as parents, I certainly started out this way myself. We just get overly vocal, we get overly involved, and it no longer becomes fun. So when it's not fun, then kids aren't interested in winning or losing. They don't really care. They're just kind of there just to make up the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we really. I think a lot of kids nowadays as they get older feel that they they should have this and they should have that they feel they should be playing at that level you know even even without actually working hard to, to try and achieve or try and get into to a team that's playing at a higher level yeah. and there's a lot of self of uh, um, you know a lot of self-entitlement going around uh, and if kids don't get it there's also a lot of kids who, who, who just give up um, and I think there's probably Within certain age groups, say 15, 16, 17s, um, you know, there maybe isn't the, the knowledge to try and keep those kids involved, you know, to try and maybe speak to them 1v1 when they see a kid who's not really enjoying it, he's not all of a sudden, he's not showing up for training, he's not really performing. 
Um, sometimes coaches can just go, well, ah, look, I'll just leave him. He's a lost cause now. You know, he's not really interested. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. instead of maybe, do you know what? I need to speak to him. You know, find out what's happening. Find out what's happening at home. Um, you know, because there's a lot more to a kid than just coming down for training and playing football. He's got a whole different life, a whole life outside of football. Um, be a family life, social life, um, friends online, school life. You know, so there's a whole bio outside of football and I think as coaches we probably need to, to tap into a bit of that and get to, get to know the kids and, and, and you know sometimes when you I think I always feel and I always said that the best way to get to know your, know your players is in a 1v1 situation the best yeah. way to, to kind of motivate them is in a 1v1 situation um, and uh, I, I don't think we do enough of that and no, I, think I think we've got to find a way in training sessions because if you're if you are stuck in your own or you know, you you really do need to have people around you at training sessions and stuff, so you have that ability to be yeah. able to talk to one on ones with, yeah, with, with, with absolutely players. Absolutely, do. I, for me, this this year I was on my own. This year it was very very difficult to try and speak to players one v one, try and be the coach and try and be the manager. You know, so yeah. certainly, I mean, someone asked me this the other day, you know, what what what, what have I learned? And that was one of the things I learned: never coach alone, never be never be by yourself on the yeah. sideline. Always have someone there that you can talk to and and, and just. You know, that can listen to you in, in relation to changes or players or, 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 or training or whatever it be. Um, so on on that, so if is there anything we we asked you for? We do a thing called the Big Tree, and we had uh, an under the skin card, a thumbs up card, and a puzzle card. Is is there nothing there for an under the skin that gets to you? Uh, I think what was it? I actually I actually wrote something down earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, I tell you what really really irks me. What was the first one? What was the first one again? Under the skin card is just under the skin card. Yeah. Um, I think a booking a booking for a celebration is just absolutely ridiculous. It's nonsense. I, mean, I think you know when you see some of the goals that are being scored and players, you know, going they're running and they're going to celebrate and they can't believe and they're shaking their head and their hands are up in the air and all of a sudden they just stop because they realise if they go any further they're going to get booked and they might be on a yellow. Yeah. And that just totally irks me, you know. I think that the celebration is just part of the emotion of the game, and and you know a lot of people kind of kill it. Yeah. I also think that if I could throw this one, yeah, in, on. the non-celebration. So the non-celebration of the player who oh. scored against the team that he used to play for, I just don't get that. You're getting that. You now. score goals, celebrate, <laughs> enjoy it. I mean, this thing of holding your hands up on sorry scoring against a team that I used to your play for. Your former team. Yeah, I can't understand it. A goal is a goal. Go and celebrate yeah. the goal. Enjoy it. You're with a team. It's nearly a lack of respect to the team that you're with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it Isn't is. It? Yeah, I mean, Mo Salah scores yesterday. Down, it was, I think it was down the cop end, was it? That's right. Yeah, down the cop end. He just see how throws his hands in the air. No celebration. No nothing on his face. Not even a smile. You know. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you spent ten years at the club, maybe. But I mean, yeah. how long was he there? A year was he? Yeah, he was there. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 he didn't even play much, and he was let yeah. go. I think it might have been a half year because I think he left for uh, might have been on loan, but. Again, I don't understand it. Get out, enjoy yourself, play. If you score a goal, great. If your team scores a goal, go out and celebrate it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's live in the moment. Uh, I mean, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see an under nines and under tens kid who just moved from one team to another and he scores the two. To do the same game. thing, yeah. No, and this is it. Role models, these lads sometimes don't realise how much of a role model they are to yeah. kids and how much an influence they have on them. Uh, thumbs up, Batten, that. Uh, in the game or in the sports that uh, you like um, that I like uh, uh, yeah I tell you what I do like in hockey 
I like the way you can just dribble the ball in, and I, I like the way that you can, you don't have to pass it. So when the ball's down, you can either pass it or you can dribble it in, and it just speeds up the game really, really quickly. You know, it was something I spoke about years ago, and, and they've kind of implemented now in under fives. But I still love it to see it in under nines and uh, in under sevens as well. So. Yeah. I think it's a great one and it encourages dribbling and it encourages quick play and quick thinking yeah exactly and puzzled Anton that you just can't get your head around um, just uh, boxing scores probably you know the scores in, yeah. in boxing games <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky one isn't it you don't know it's um, and that is the end of that interview And welcome back here to the big kickoff here in 96.4 and that was Antonio and Montero. I have no idea because I couldn't hear it. That's why I was on me. I was, uh, I'm not going to tell you what I was doing on my phone for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, the phone died on him so our interview got cut off. But again, it's, it's just a little insight into what Irish people and coaching people are, are, are thinking about uh, in, in football in terms. It was the weirdest conversation ever because all I could hear was you. So it was like silence for like a couple of minutes next minute. Yeah, yeah. And then you're asking a question and no one's answering. That's all I could hear. So uh, I stayed out of that one because I could have been asking questions that just don't make sense at all to Porto Antonio. So I'm going to take it for granted that it was a decent interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, listen, it's... Uh, 9.51. We have a couple of minutes. Uh, there's not much really, I suppose, funny once Michael Owen came second in the horse race during the week. A, a, an actual horse an actual proper proper horse race he was um, right he was it was a kind jockey? of a charity event and he was jockey was he? and he came second and it was a quite admirable uh, performance he said uh, he, I think he, I presume it's one of his own but uh, I just heard a bit of the interview afterwards and he said the, the speed of him uh, it was faster than he, he ever seen it before and I, I know he rides a few of them out in his own stable he is a real state of the art he put 10 12 million pounds into one of his own and he's really pushing it because he's had a bit of success um, on the flat and if you have a good horse once that goes into stud that's when you can really that's make the money. money so yeah, he's probably yeah, making yeah. his money back now so he can really have a good go and I think he has a half decent trainer yeah. kind of he's slowly but surely coming into it but yeah it was a charity thing and it might be something that he might do a little bit more on the side but just it's nothing too serious but uh, as soon as he started talking I switched off so I have no idea because I just yeah I'm, I'm, I'm on the train like everyone else that's an interesting but though, good luck to him you know and it, it looked very credible he was up against other kind of fairly experienced uh, riders but yeah he came second in the end he, he, he got him out too early and he unfortunately uh, hadn't got the, the stamina at the end right okay but uh, that was it John John Evan is back remember medalist what? no actually did he medal uh, I'm not sure but he, he, he's his first fight he 15 months yeah so he's now 9-0 I know he had problems and whatever so hopefully he's back on track now and he's going to get the get the finger out uh, Tony Bellew was on Soccer AM yesterday and called uh, Tyson Fury uh, He's just a poor man, Stavros Flatley. Because <laughs> there's a picture of him and Ricky Hatton with the tops off. And Ricky Hatton is not as bad as you would expect. See, he's always been like that, though. He's yeah. always gone chunky. But his face looks a lot bigger than what his body was. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. that bad. But uh, yeah, poor El Tyson needs to seriously shake off some timber. Um, he's going to struggle. Yeah. And, but he, what he will do, he will get in. He will get his, his money fights. And yeah. that'll be it. Yeah, absolutely. And just a quick mention to a guy called Graham Potter. Know him well? No. 
Osterund, Swedish football yes, club. Yes, we mentioned them before, actually. Sorry. Six years ago, they were in the fourth tier of Swedish football, and they won the last 32 of the Europa League. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned so that. Just, He was just, the only English manager in the, the, the Europa yeah, League, seemingly. So exactly, because we all know how, how well Everton did this year. Yes. It was embarrassing. They're not, they're not even just being beaten, they're being well beaten by so, everybody. Yeah, they need someone you know? there to grab a hold of that. And Martin O'Neill type character. Oh, without a shout out of a um, And just, that's all I have, to be honest. Uh, a bit disappointed with. Uh, Fire from the stands became the first. Oh yeah, this is a great story. Norwich and Preston. We'll finish off on this. Alex Neil, ex Norwich manager, went back to Carrow Road yesterday. Um, can't remember the result, right. but it was the fact that the assistant shock and groin injury could not continue, couldn't do anything. So the fourth official went up, and I think he was the the, the linesman, and they needed a fourth official. Did they get a fan? Alex Neil turned to the crowd and went. I know his brother. I like he 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 knows this guy through his brother. Right, and he goes, he's a referee. No way. And they delayed. It was about, it took an hour, an hour and 10 minutes to for the second half, but uh, to kind of get going again in the whole 30. But he says, I know him, he's a ref, get him. And he ended up being the fourth official showing up there. No way. Doing Did the he? dive in the whole oh, lot. And he's an Irish fan. So, yeah. Brilliant. So, yeah, there's some fun and frolics out there. And uh, listen, enjoy the rest of your day. Tune in every week or every day, Monday to Friday at three o'clock for Luke and Live. Um, uh, Liffy Sounds new daily talk program and we also have Pat Quinn coming on now without this world at 10 o'clock uh, thanks Roy and more importantly Thank thanks you. to our star presenter Adam thanks mate you going to say anything? no <laughs> no okay thanks very much Talk listen have a good day week.